Hello, welcome to Nobody Dies Here. My name is Christina and I've been a client at the injecting room for quite a few years now. In this series, I'll be introducing stories from different people who all use this room for different reasons. Some people will be talking to you about their heroin use. Some are on a program to cut down or stop using. Treatments they all access through the MSER. Other people come here to be around community and the health workers who understand them and their lives. And yeah, they all know they'll be kept safe. Producer Michelle Ransom Hughes recorded these interviews at MSER in 2022. The episodes start with some of my stories and a heads up, if you're not into swearing, you better skip this one. The second part of the episode is with Adrian, a construction worker who kept his heroin use a big secret. This interview starts after the music track around halfway through. What's a good day inside this place? Oh. Every day is a good day for me down here. I mean, like, besides when like, I come down here, I'm, like, I'm sick from the heroin within like 20 minutes of me fixing myself up. It just turns, like the whole atmosphere turns for me. Like that's, that's my problem though, like beforehand, because I'm sick, you know, it's got nothing to do with this place. It's, that's my internal problems because I've got a habit. It's the people don't change or anything like that. You know, if anything, they're trying to help me get onto a program. I'm like, no, I can't, I'm not ready for it to do it today, whatever. I come here this morning and I was, I was spewing up vials. I was really, really sick this morning. So I stayed home all day yesterday and I thought, you know, I'm going to try just doing it myself. And then I got up this morning I was like, I can't do it. I've got to go in, you know. And I fixed myself up. And Emery, one of the fellas there, he's like, Sister, you're OK? You're sick? He goes, I don't think there's any doctors in here today, Sister, but I'll try to get a nurse to get the doctor over there to write a script. That's how helpful they are here, you know? Like, I was like, I'm all right, brother. Someone's going to help me out with a taste, you know? It's okay, brother. It's a concern about you. They're not just like, here's your fits, go have your hit and have your coffee and then fuck off, you know? It's not like that at all here. It's like, I don't even feel like it's a community here. I feel like it's a family. We're, We're a family. Like, I feel like the regulars that come here every day and the the staff members, they they know everything about me. I'm not. I don't withdraw or hold back anything. So, hello, my name is Christina Mumbler. Um, originally from Kangaroo Island, but I've been living in Melbourne since I've been 14. Yeah, Kangaroo Island. Yeah. What's that place like? It's absolutely beautiful. Um, so I grew up there with my mother and my stepfather. Seven brothers and sisters, including me. I'm the second oldest uh, daughter. Yeah, I moved to Melbourne when I was 14. That's when my life um, started getting adventurous, I'd say, getting introduced to things I never thought was around or or never even knew about. Like, I I knew there was alcohol and marijuana, um, but, um, yeah, had a... um, family issues that were happening in, in the family home at the time. So it was just better for me at the time to come and live with my my auntie. My auntie, my mum's sister, she had all, all girls. It was better off for me. Um, 
But living on Kangaroo Island, I was quite, uh, how do I say it, like, uh, cottoned to what the world was really like, you know? Yeah, until I moved to Melbourne and, and being a young teenager, I think, you know, you want to fit in with a lot of other people, you know, and um, that's when my life started to experiment. First off, it was just marijuana. By the time I was 16, I was pregnant. The fellow I was seeing at the time, he was a heroin user and... I started just smoking heroin through on top of the marijuana cones. They call it snow cones. And by the time I was 19, 20, um, wasn't doing anything, so I started injecting. So, yeah. yeah. How old are you now? I am 37 now. Don't look it. Oh, really? <laughs> I, I have to say that I did dye my hair two, three nights ago. I've got that many grey hairs. It's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> What's been the difference between before you could come here and oh. now? So, yeah, there was no safe place. It was always always in the back of an alleyway and, you know, having to look over your shoulders, make sure police weren't. And there was always one looking out for you while you're milling up and then there was then there was the drama of, oh, you know, with your partner, or you've hid some, yeah, you've given me half water, this and that. Now it's... It's not just the fact of going into this place and they give you all the equipment and you're seated in the booth, you and your partner can, you know, have a taste together or you and your friend, you know, and everything's out in the open. It's not so much that with this place. I have to say it's so much more. All the staff here, it's like they're being handpicked to get along with all of us users. I don't when I, when I walk in, I've never once felt judged or anything if anything I feel like they're they're just the same as me you know and I've I've never had that experience anywhere in my life especially with not my family with no one except for this place here like I come here whether it's whether I've come in to use drugs or just to ask a question or see my doctor the people that work in these places they're absolutely they're the best people in the world I must say that like that's 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 not even half of how I feel about these people, you know? Yeah, they're wonderful people. Without this place, I don't know what a lot of us users, where would would be at today. Everyone calls me Mumbles around here. That's my nickname. That's my dad's uh, traditional last name, Mumbler. So that everyone's, I've been since 12, 11, been getting called Mumbles. Um... But, yeah, everyone calls me Mumbles. They, you know, they're respective to me f- for who I am. Uh, I'm Muslim too, and I just started to stop wearing my hijab probably the last six weeks. had a very bad ear infection, and then I, I took a look at the way my life was going. It wasn't being cohesive with my religion. So I took the heads. I thought, this is perfect, probably timing, and when I start practising again, I'll put it on again. So they've never judged me. They knew me before I started wearing the headscarf. They knew me while I was wearing the headscarf and they've known me after I started, you know, and I've not once been looked down on or anything like that. Like I just feel this community is it's more than just a community. It's, it's a safe place. So how do you spend your time in the space? If I do come in, if I, I've got heroin on me, I'll go in, I'll have my taste and go, there's the third section, make a coffee, sit down, 
doodle. I, I, I love doing Sudoku and crosswords and that. I'll sit out there and I'll yell out to one of the staff members, hey, do you know the answer to this and this and that, you know? like. But a lot of the time there's um, two workers, Paulie and Emery, one's a security and one's a, a, a nurse, and they're like big brothers to me. I'm out there kicking the football. They're just as rough with me as I am rough with them. Yeah, they're, yeah I couldn't have asked for a better community to be a, to be a part of. So how many times might you come in a day or a week? I definitely come here at least five times a week, yeah. I might stay home for two days. That's only if I've got heroin uh, to get me through the other two days. I don't... I'll stay home, you know? So you'll still use at home? Yeah, I'll still use at home, yeah. And that, those just days that, well, I've got to go, I've got appointments or for because I'm, I'm on the dole, also working, I've still got to report my earnings and still go to Job Finder and stuff like that. So I might just uh, have enough heroin to get through the day and go in for my appointment, go home, whatnot, and then I'll come in the next day. It'll never be I'll be home for two days in a row, you know? Yeah. What's the, the number one reason that you would choose to come and uh, inject drugs here rather than at home? Like I said, I think it's the, the community, the interaction with the people here, yeah. So it's not about necessarily about safety in terms of overdose? No, nah, not at all. I've overdosed three times in my life. Um, when I overdose, I don't remember anything. It was just like... A, I went to sleep. I felt like it was just asleep, like I was in a sleep. Don't remember anything of it. Um, so no, it's got, I don't feel like it's got anything to do with fearing of overdose or anything. I come to here to see the staff and also the Indigenous community here. Ever since I was a young girl, I wanted to do investigating journalism. Yeah. I think I just need to sit down and get over this hurdle that I'm going through in my life at the moment because I even found it when I started working, and I'm working night shifts, yeah, kitchen hand. It's just kitchen hand. It's, but it's, I, I found myself at the start of when I was working, I was working up 10, 15, 20 minutes. I was thinking, you can't keep doing this, Tina, you know. The boss is going to find someone else that's on time, you know. like, And that's because of my habit, you know, and... I'm not going to be able to study if I'm in here, you know, doing this kind of shit, you know, like, yeah. So what, you're probably going to wait till you're doing something that's more Yeah, I, well, I'm hoping to come in tomorrow and get back on the bupendal injection because not only that, it takes a lot out of you just coming in here every day and using. It's exhausting, like, it'll, three or four days later, I'll find myself, I won't be waking up until, like, four in the afternoon because my body's been that worn from, you know, chasing, you know, doing this whole routine every day, it does take a toll on your body, you know, yeah. Yeah, oh, well, I mean, I guess you just got to keep trying, right? Yeah. Giving it a few cracks. Yeah, no, and every time I've done it, I've done really well, you know. But I'll be honest, the thing that does keep drawing me back is the community. I've I've been on the Bupendale um, program twice, and then I've missed my Bupendale injection, and then I've relapsed into using again. And... Even on the times that I've been clean, clean and haven't have to come in here, I've come in here just to be around the community here. 
But is that problematic? Because, you know, there's that old thing of, you know, being around the the community when you're trying not to use as much or whatever. It's not a problem here? Um, it, it's a pro- I think that's a f- thing, f- like, for individually. I know that I'm not strong enough to be around someone if they're mulling up and saying, do you want a couple of lines? I'm going to say yes. I'm not at that stage where I can say no, but there might be other people in the community that are at that level. And I think... Coming into this area or into this this space, I feel safe. That's why I come here. It's not it's not just to see my friends and family that are here, that are users, but it's also to see the staff members, you know, that I miss their faces, I miss talking to them. If we were to lose this place, uh, I think it would, the people that use it'll get a lot worse for the community in general because We'll be still coming here because the drugs are here in Richmond, but you'll be seeing us sit in the alleyway or across the road. People, some people, like I don't, I, I go off my head when I see people doing it at the back of the school or something. There's an injection room just there, just go. It's 20 metres from where you're fucking shooting up. Like, sorry for swearing, but I get really uh, defensive on stuff like that, you know, or leaving their fits around. Like, there's six or seven bins that they facilitate, come on, walk two metres and the fucking bin's there. Like, sorry for swearing well, again. That's but, all right. Yeah. Why do people still use in the car park? I've, I saw it yesterday. Yeah, I, I, I have no idea. I don't understand it. Um, could be that they've been sanctioned or whatever the word is. Yeah, it could be because of the sanction or there's a big waiting list and they're sick. Because I'll be honest, I have gone to the car park to use when I've been too sick and there's been like one of the stuff and it's a long way. Oh, just give me takeaways and I'll just go quickly into the car park. I'm not saying I haven't done it, but I, I make sure that there's no kids around. I'm in, in between two cars and, you know, that I can see my surroundings, you know. But how long is a long wait? I, I'll be honest, if I'm sick in the morning, I won't wait more than seven to ten minutes. Wow. Yeah. From from when you arrive? Yeah, because I, I don't know if you're the only one that's withdrawal, coming off of drawers or anything. You could be spewing vile up and shitting out the other, like coming out by friends. It's not, it's not a nice look for a young lady, you know, young woman or, yeah. That, well, I mean, that's interesting because it speaks to the need for the place to be bigger. Yeah. Because yeah. everyone is honestly working to get people through as quickly as yeah, they can, Yeah, of course right? they are, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Like, and I think sometimes too that makes it frustrating for us users that when people are in there, they sit in the booth just fuck arsing around instead of just doing what they have to do and then moving along so the next person could come in. Can't you sort that out amongst yourselves? <laughs> oh, I wish I could. Like, I, I'll tell people, come on now, brothers. Like, if I go in there, you've been, you were in here 10, 20 minutes before I come in here. It's time to move along, mate. Like, there's people out there waiting, brother. I'll have mine. I'm at the door and in the next zone free making a coffee. I'll sit there because there's no limit to how many people can be in that area. Do you reckon this is a women thing because we're used to using the women's toilets? Yes, probably. Where we're used be. to being considerate of other yeah. people and going, yeah, we've got it. There's a queue. Yeah, of course, of course, it's a woman's thing. It's and I'll be honest, it's always the men that are sitting in there on the nod, you know, fuck assing around, you know. I don't know. I think men love attention too. You reckon? Yeah, I know so. <laughs> I think we all know this. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Yeah, well, as soon as I leave this ground, that's how I see... I'm being honest, like, that's how I see the world. Sitting on a tram, I think, oh, damn, no, I've just had a hit, you know, this and that. It's that 
my own self worries. But as soon as I work, walk into these premises, I can be myself and not worry about the staff here um, judging me or anything like that. Maybe this is wrong, but does that mean that you can be more of yourself? A hundred percent. I don't stop, never take days off, nothing. And I have uh, I have goals. I want to buy a house, um, want to buy a coffee shop in a year, two years max. So, yeah, I'm striving for things. And if I don't work, it's never going to happen. Do you mind telling me what kind of work you do? Yeah, I'm in construction. I'm a steel fixer. You know, all the steel and all the rear that goes into the concrete, all that kind of stuff. We put all that together. Okay. Is that dangerous? Very dangerous. I think we've got the hardest job in the construction industry. You're always working on decks that aren't flat, so you can always trip. Heavy bars can fall on you all the time. Yeah, so you are cuts, a lot of cutting. You can actually slice yourself pretty bad when you're walking past the Rio. So that's not the kind of work you can do for years and years? No. When you get older, no. Unless you're on the drawings and uh, leading hand. I'm a leading hand myself. Um, I'm a foreman. I look after, say, 30, 40 guys under me. Um, I still work, even though I don't have to. I can't just stand there and look at a piece of paper and be like, you do that, you do that. Even though I do that, but I still get into it. But your your plan is to open a coffee shop? Yeah, that's my plan. Well, how long have you been coming here? Since I've been to Melbourne, because I knew about it. I knew this area, Richmond, was the place to go to if you wanted to buy heroin. Mm, but what about coming here to the, the injecting room? What brings you here? Um, it's safer, cleaner. Um, you don't have to worry about people catching you out, like you know, like people hassling you on the street, people looking down on you. Um, yeah, and just mainly because it's cleaner, safer. You know, if something goes wrong, someone's there to save you. I see this place actually. I've seen so many overdoses in this place, and people get saved, whatever. Just never thought I'd be the next. Really? Never came to my mind. Do you want to tell me about the way you use this place or other services apart from the injecting room that you've you've been led to through here? Yes, I'm on the program, Buvidal program. Um, it's like um, buprenorphine, but an injection injectable. So it's a bit like the methadone, but not methadone. It's the something opposite. You used to take this once a day tablet. Now they got an injectable where they put a gel and it's slow release. And every month I come get my injection and it stops the cravings, stops me from getting sick, um, stops me from feeling the gear. Um, yeah, and it's free. Whereas when you go to a chemist to get your methadone or your bup, you have to pay once a week or daily, whatever. Um, to be honest with you, I've been on the methadone in the past since... I found out about this. It's the best thing for me. Why is that? I've stopped using every day. Um, I can work. I could work before, but I would actually um, 
first thing my mind would be as soon as I finish Gageron. Or I'd used before work. I've never used at work, but I have used before work in the past. Since getting on the program here, I've never used before work at work. Never thought about it. Yeah? Yeah, I don't think about the gear at all since being on the program. But the only reason I do use now, I don't use every day. I've slowed down a lot, but it's just my anxiety. So I'm trying to seek help for other things now. It's clearing my mind for other things. Whereas I was clouded, my judgment was really clouded before, and I never realised this till now. When I use, I can talk to people. I can function. I can. Oh, I don't get anxiety. I don't care if I'm in crowds. When I don't use, my anxiety is rapid. I, I stop breathing. Um, sometimes I cry out of nowhere. My depression is just up and down. Never suicidal. I've never ever been suicidal, but just I feel lonely. Even though I've got a family and three daughters, even at home I feel lonely. Um, I get anxiety with my kids, and I shouldn't be getting anxiety with my kids, you know, and I do. Um, I get a lot of hot and cold flushes. So lately, because I'm not, I don't want to use, I've drink, been drinking. So I'm, I'm changing it up, and I shouldn't be doing that. So now I'm trying to talk to my doctor to try and see what I can do. I found a good relationship with my doctor. It's hard for me to find people I trust. The first doctor I met here, she was from Footscray. I had to lie to her about everything. Really? I couldn't be honest, and it wasn't helping. I was getting worse. She always threatening me with things, and it's like... I'm here on my own accord. I'm not here through jail, bail, parole, anything. I'm here to get help. And you're telling me if I use again, you're going to throw me in detox. You know, stuff like that. And it's like, have you used them last week? And I can't say yes. So I'll be like, no. She goes, okay, you can have your injection. Whereas here, you can use and then have your injection right after it because they know you'll be fine. Yeah, she was just bad. And then I found a doctor here and it was like, I don't know, God brought me to her. <laughs> She's good. Like, I write stuff, that's what I got that notebook for, and I trust her that much, I'm only to read it, my thoughts, so she's good. I really admire that you can, can maintain, you know, work with yeah. all this other stuff you got going on. Yeah. Um, do you ever talk to anyone outside this space? No, not about this stuff. No one knows. Um, some people, like... Don't know if they're being honest. Some people here, they reckon if I was outside, they wouldn't be able to tell that I was a heroin user. They go, you wouldn't tell. You just look like a normal average person. Now, I don't know if they're lying to me, trying to make me feel good. <laughs> but I can see myself, and I don't look like the people here. I don't, I don't act like the people here. I've got morals. I've got, you know, self-respect. I've always looked after myself, look after my loved ones. Um... Yes, I've always hid the truth. Maybe lying to him is not a good thing. But I've been doing it. I'm 34 now. I've been on heroin since I was 21. Um, before that, I was on other different drugs from the age of 13. Um, probably had a proper heroin habit since I was like 22. So, you know, 12 years now. But that's a lot of weight. To, to carry a secret that it long. It is, yes. My wife knows I use every now and again. She knew uh, that I used to use, or I still use, but she thinks she used to use. Um, 
Yeah, she thinks I'm clean now. You know, like, I still pay my bills. Still put food on the table. I spend $500 a week on groceries for me and the kids and my wife. Yeah, um, she doesn't work. She gets no government help because my income is too high. Um, I give her money every week to get by to whatever she wants. Um, I pay for my kids' daycares. Um, I pay for the petrol in both cars. I pay for everything, phone bills, you name it, and I still can afford my habit. Like, I make good money. I'm not going to brag. I do. And maybe that's why it saved me. But um, I just put all those things first before using. But I can't stop using. I've always put my family first. In Like, not in, like, maybe it's hypocritical what I'm saying, the way I'm saying it, because if I put them first, I wouldn't be using. But I mean, like, in a way where I look after them. You don't really see much common ground between yourself and other people who come here? No, not at all. No, nothing like completely different. Look, I can't, I don't connect with a lot of people here. It's just, I don't know if it's different walks of life we've lived. I don't know if they've let themselves go too much. Like, I look at them and I look down on them. Sorry to say, I do. And now I know why other people in the community look down on people like me. I get that. I really do, but I shouldn't be judgmental because I walk the same path. I, I walk the same path, you know. But I don't know why I feel like that. It actually turns me off using more and more. But it's good that we all come here, even though we're different people, because we come here for help and actually do help us here. Yeah. Like I don't think if it wasn't for this place, I reckon I'd still be using every single day on the street, like not caring where, you know, and then. You know, when I got comfortable coming to this place, like it's the only place I use that now, you know, and I've actually cut down so much because of this place. So from what to what do you reckon? I used to have maybe a $1,000 a day habit. A day? A day. Now probably have maybe a four to 600 or no, probably a $400 a fortnight habit. Like I'll use $200 each time I use, I'll spend 200 you know, back then I was having five, six of those a day. Now I'll have one and I might not have another $200 eat till maybe four days later, five days later. Sometimes, like, I had just had a 10-day break. And, like, I look back at it and I don't want to get back to that. You know, I want to look forward. You know, I just, I really want to stop using. But all these other little things are stopping me. Today I'm going to see my doctor, Meg. I'm going to have a talk to her about it. So she's going to see what path to put me on now because she knows I've been drinking a lot lately when I haven't been using. Mm-hmm. So she 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 knows. And she actually rang me a few days ago to check up on me. Like, who does that? You know, no one's ever done that to me, to check up on me, to see how I am. You know, and tell me it's okay. Like, no one does. You know, so I'm very grateful for this place. Very, very grateful. I really feel for the weight that you're carrying around your family. Yeah, it's a a big weight. I can't get off my shoulders. Yeah, you can. You're just not there yet. No, I'm nowhere near there yet. Like, I'm constantly guilty. Constantly, like, it's to a point where I'm breaking down, crying, you know, holding my six-month-old when I'm alone with her, just bawling my eyes out because of the father I am. But you were telling me what a 
good provider you are. I am a good provider, but is that enough? I can't break that guilt. No matter how much I know I play with them, I do anything for them. I sleep next to them. Like, they don't leave my side. As much as all that, yeah, I do everything a father's supposed to do. I still feel guilty. I feel like I should be giving them more. Um, I do get along with a few people a lot more than others. Like staff-wise, yeah, I talk to a lot more, some of them, than I do to the other ones. And, um, like, I trust a few of the ladies in here. Um, and I could talk about anything. Even when I'm down, I can just talk to them and, you know, and they always give me good advice. Um, That's pretty rare in this world to have a place you can go and you can just trust. It is. Like, like a lot of the staff here, honestly, they're like angels. They really are. You know, they don't judge you. They're actually here to help you. You know, and you need more people like that. You need more places like this. It's not enough. You know, like, I look at what they do overseas in Europe, in Switzerland, and look at the crime rate in Switzerland compared to here. You know, it's a big, big difference. again, Christina here. Adrian and I talked to producer Michelle Ransom-Hughes in 2022 at the medically supervised injecting room in North Richmond, Melbourne. Thanks to Adrian for sharing some of his stories and thanks to all the clients and staff at the MSER for supporting this independent project. If you listen to these interviews and they bring up hard feelings or memories for you, make sure you find someone to talk to. You can call Lifeline 24 hours a day, 13 11 14. If you're injecting drugs, make sure you take good care of yourself. Always use a fresh new needle. It's a good idea to half your shot if you're in down. If you can't get to an EMSA, try not to use alone. Nobody Dies Here is alongside radio production. Music credits and other acknowledgements are on the website. You can follow or subscribe to the podcast to hear the whole series for free. We'll be back with more stories soon. Thanks so much to Tina for hosting and for sitting down with me last year to share some of your stories. This series was made on unceded Wurundjeri, Turrbal and Yuggera land.